we're jumping into a new series next week, uh, but we've got one more taboo message to talk about this morning, all right? One more subject that we're going we're gonna to dive in here. And as I was thinking about this last message, I really bounced around on different topics about what we're going to talk about. Um, church history was one of those things. It's like, listen, the church did some damage in the past. If you want to look at like the, the, throughout the ages, I'm talking, right? Some like crusades and like back in the day, like the, the church was, was, was a serious thing to, to go on the wrong side of, right? So, um, so I thought about that, and I thought about some other things. Um, but as I was, like, wrestling with topics, I was like, you know what? There's probably some things that are taboo kind of across the board, and we've talked about some of those things. But there's also probably some things that are taboo in certain churches that are not necessarily taboo in other churches, right? So, for example, like, if a church has had, like, a financial scandal, like, you, you got to watch talking about money in that church, like, people are going to be they're going to be resistant to that, right? So um, this morning's subject, I don't think necessarily is taboo across the board, but I do think it's something that's taboo in, in, in the, our church, in this particular church, all right? So now there's some of you that are getting uncomfortable, like, okay, what's he going to talk about? Because now it's getting personal, right? Um, because this morning, what we're going to talk about is church hurt, all right? Church hurt, experiencing pain because of being involved in the church, experiencing pain because of something that happened through the church or by the church or whatever. So, so that whole thing, right? That whole thing is what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, and we know we have a history. We just kind of sometimes pretend that it doesn't exist in this church, right? Um, but we're, 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 we're just going to, I don't know, we're just going to talk about this thing, okay? We're just going to get into it and talk about it. I will never forget the staff meeting where we were sitting downstairs on a Tuesday night, sitting around the table, and everybody's just kind of sitting there, and, and we just were in, in this discussion about what's going to happen in this church and what's planning. We're, we're making all these plans. And it hit me, like, you know what? We have not talked about the past for probably a month. We have not talked about the past. For, and, and it was in, this indicator of, wow, like this thing is moving forward. People are taking ownership of, of our church and what our church is going to do. Um, we haven't talked about before Capitol Vineyard for a month. And that was a good thing. Of course, I brought it back up. But, um, but it was just an indicator that, listen, there's some healing happening here. And we're moving forward uh, on this idea of what it means for us to be Capitol Vineyard. So I'm not trying this morning... Not trying to open wounds, okay? That's not the point of this. Um, but I do think it's a healthy thing to be able to talk about what, what happens when we experience hurt within the church. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to go to the book of Galatians this morning in Galatians chapter 2. Um, and we're going to read Paul's perspective of an incident that happened. Um, and, and again, it's Paul's perspective, okay? We don't get all the perspectives of the story. This is not uh, a narrative account that we get. Like the book of Acts is a narrative account. Luke is writing about what happened in the church. And you get all these different parties that are involved. This is a letter from Paul to the church in Galatia about, and, and it's about a lot of things, but he mentions a thing that happened. Now, if we did get the narrative account, it would have happened in the book of Acts, probably 10, chapter 10, 11, 12, somewhere around in there. But what we're going to read is Paul's side of the thing, okay? So we're going to go to Galatians chapter 2, and it, and it says this, starting in verse 9. James, Peter, and John, those esteemed pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. 
All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I had, I had been eager to do all along. All right, so everything sounds good right there, right? Paul and is, has gone to, to James and John and, uh, and Peter, and, he extend, and they extend the right hand of fellowship. So everything's good, everybody's happy, and we move on. Verse 11, it changes. It says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Now, you got to picture this scenario, right? And again, we're getting one side of this. We're getting Paul's side of this account. It's from his perspective. But let's take a minute to, to really look at what's going on here because this is a picture of church hurt, right? This is an incident within the church that causes some pain. And, and you gotta realize that this is Peter and this is Paul and this is Barnabas and this is James and this is the church in Antioch that was full of both Jewish and non-Jewish Christians, okay? These are real people and this is a real life for them and they're experiencing this pain in first person. When you look at the beginning of this letter, Paul uh, starts, starts to talk at like the very beginning of this letter in, in the Galatia, in, to the church in Galatia. So Paul starts talking and, and he's almost like justifying himself like right off the bat. He wants people to know like, I, I, I'm good. Like, I, I, the, like the, the first verse that he, he writes out, he says, um, where, did I, where did I go? What does he say? All right, there you go. He says, Paul, an apostle sent not from men or by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, right? Because there's some question about Paul. Because Paul was Saul, who was this guy who was like, he, he's, he's uh, running around and he's persecuting Christians and he's trying to close the doors of churches. He's hauling people off to jail. He's um, supervising and approving of murders of Christians. And now all of a sudden, he has this encounter with Jesus and now he's preaching? Like, what do we do? And so for the Jewish people, the Jewish Christians, are, they're like, man, is this guy for real? Like, how do we know? And, and so he's like a little bit like cementing his legitimacy here for the people that are there, right? He's, he says, I'm as legitimate, I'm, I'm as legit as Peter and James and John and the other apostles, okay? And it says that he went to Jerusalem to make sure the work that he was doing was good, Right? Is this, this is, is the gospel that I preach sound? Is the gospel that I'm preaching, and because I'm going to the Gentiles, I'm not going to Jewish people, is this, is this okay? Like, he doesn't want to run his race in vain. And so he goes to, to make sure that the gospel he preaches is the same thing that Peter and James and John are preaching. And it is, right? They, they're all good in there. They go and they have this, they extend the right hand of the fellowship um, to, to Paul. And they say, you know what? You're going to go to the Gentiles. Paul, you're going to go to the Gentiles. You're going to go to the non-Jewish people and you're going to preach there. We're going to go to the circumcised, to the, to the Jewish people. And, and, and Peter and James and John are going to go preach in that way. They're going to go to the, the synagogues and they're going to do their ministry there. Paul is going to other places, okay? But everything's good there. Everything's good. They extended the right hand of fellowship They were good. And then sometime later, Paul is in Antioch. He's gone, he's done some missions. He's in Antioch where there's a church there. And Peter shows up 
and Peter is there, and everything is good again. But then it says that Peter, or that Paul confronts Peter. And what's the offense? The offense is that Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. He used to eat with the non-Jewish Christians within the church. But then certain men from James came, certain men from James who who was in Jerusalem came, and Peter changed his actions. Peter changed his tune. He withdrew, and he wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. Because as a good Jew... You have to, there has to be some separation from the rest of the world, right? The, the rest of the world is unclean. Anybody who is not Jewish is a Gentile, and they're, not, they're unclean. We're God's people. We're set apart. Therefore, we're better than is what the, the kind of the assumption was. Um, and so as a good Jew, you didn't associate with those Jewish people, but that had been done away with in Jesus. And Peter believed that, and Peter was acting on that. He was eating with people. And you have to recognize eating with someone is like accepting them. Right? When you sit down at a table with someone and you can have fellowship and you can eat with them, it's like this, this act of like, we're accepting you, you're, you're on equal terms, we can eat together, uh, we don't have to be separate anymore. And so Peter does that. He acts on that, he sits down, he eats with people. Um, that's why it was such a big deal that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners, right? Like, why do you eat with those people? Who are you that you, can eat, you think you can be a Jewish, uh, a faithful Jew and eat with those people? And so Peter, he does this, right? He's, he's eating with the Gentiles, but then in the presence of these men from Jerusalem, he changes his behavior. He changes his tune, and he starts to withdraw, he starts to separate himself from the Gentiles, even to the point that he was leading other people to do that. Barnabas, who had been a faithful uh, um, uh, assistant or a faithful helper or whatever you want to say with Paul, is led astray by Peter's behavior, and he separated himself from the Gentiles. You got to think about it, man. This was Peter who declared in Acts 10 that God does not show favoritism based on nationality. This this whole thing again, right? This was Peter who had the dream of the sheep being let down in front of him and seeing the, all the unclean food. And Peter, Peter says, I can't eat that, God. And he says, don't you dare call anything unclean that I have already made clean. And Peter understood that that was like opening the doors to the Gentiles to come in this. And, and this is Peter who is going against what he knows to be true. He's acting in hypocrisy because he knows it to be one way, and yet he's acting against that. He's going a different way. And so Paul calls him out on it, right? Paul calls him out in front of everybody. Can you picture that at a potluck, right? But think about it. Think about it. Jeremy stands up and says, Daniel, you are not acting in accordance with the word of God. You are a hypocrite. Like, I can... I'm not even involved in that situation, and I can feel like my adrenaline like starting to rise, and I can feel the temperature in my face starting to go up. Like that, those are fighting words. Whether whether Jeremy's right or not, even if Daniel's acting as a hypocrite, those are fighting words to call somebody out in front of a group of people. Like that's a messy situation. But Paul calls him out. So just in these few verses, we see Peter who is probably, he is the most outspoken of Jesus' disciples. He is the uh, unofficial, official leader of the church at that point, like stepping back, and he's locked into this disagreement, this, this, this whatever messy situation with Paul, who is the most passionate um, and, and effective missionary that the world has ever seen. These two giant pillars of the church, and they're locked into this like disagreement in this situation that is not only affecting them, now it's also affecting the rest of the church around them, right? This is a mess in, 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 in no, uh, no certain terms. 
And as I was thinking about this whole situation between these two guys and between this church and Antioch or whatever, like, and about everybody who's involved, it occurred to me that nobody's immune to church hurt. No one is immune to church hurt. I mean, you can be a first-time guest walking in the door, and you can be offended and hurt because, listen, the pastor didn't shake my hand, or he didn't ask how I was doing, or he didn't introduce himself, right? Or so, so even the newcomer in, or you can be, the, the worship leader can be offended because somebody came to them and said, hey, listen, you hit a wrong note, um, and, or that person didn't hit the right chord at the right time, or we were offbeat or whatever. Somebody can be offended that way, or the pastor can be offended because nobody patted him on the back last week and said he did a good job, Right? I'm sorry, I'm just joking. <laughs> right? Nobody is immune to church hurt. Nobody is immune to it. Unless you're like totally aloof and, and you just don't care and, and all that, right? But nobody is immune to this thing. And those are simple and small and, and maybe even silly examples, but they can also be a reality because it doesn't take much to get your feelings hurt in church. It just doesn't. We can, take, we can talk about those small offenses and we can go all the way up to the serious offenses or that, that inflict like lasting damage on people, right? We can go back to church history and we can talk about the crusades and how the church was, was murdering people if they didn't confess Jesus, like that's serious damage, right? And think about the damage that, that did throughout history then for the, for the witness of the church. We can talk about sexual abuse within the church, like, that's serious damage, but it falls into the same category because it's coming with, from within the church. Nobody is immune to it. When we look at this situation um, in Antioch, who's hurt here? Who, who, is, who is experiencing pain from this situation? I think pretty much everybody is in, involved is experiencing pain. You can listen, right? So let's talk about the Gentile Christians. The Gentile Christians are experiencing hurt from this, right? The non-Jewish believers, because, I mean, here they are, they've just found life in Jesus, and now they're, they're taken in as equal uh, among the believers, among the Jewish Christians, they're equals, they've found brothers and sisters um, in Christ in that way. Peter, the leader of the church, has come to visit them, and is, is hanging out with them, and socializing with them, and this is a cool thing, and then all of a sudden, Peter does something, and now they're not good enough anymore, Right? Now, I, now I'm less than that, that group of people. I thought we just solved this issue. But Peter's actions lead to them, or I can see it, I don't know that for sure, but I can see it. Peter's actions are leading, to the, leading them to feeling like less than, right? Because he wants to disassociate with him. He wants to only be with the Jews. The leader of the, if, if, if the leader of the church says you're not good enough, that hurts, right? How about Paul? When Peter is backing off, when he's backing away from this group of Christians, it's the group of Christians that Paul has been called to. And by Peter backing away and saying, you know what, this group, I'm not, I'm not as involved with this group because this group is second class, was essentially what they were saying, right? Now Paul's ministry is second class. His ministry isn't as worth as much as what Peter's is. So Paul's hurt, right? I thought you extended the right hand of fellowship to me, Peter. Now Paul's hurt. What about Barnabas? Barnabas was led astray. He's hurt because he's allowed himself to. He's hurt because he's let Paul down, right? Because his leader led him in that way. And Peter, Peter might have been, he might have been like the, to blame for this whole thing. He might have been the instigator in this whole thing. 
but he doesn't escape the hurt either. I mean, for Paul to stand up and call you out in front of the church right then and there to show your hypocrisy, because it was hypocrisy, but he's calling them out, and that's the first move you do to solve this issue, like that hurts, right? That hurts. Even the men from Jerusalem, the ones that caused Peter to step back, even those guys would have been offended, right? Wait, wait a minute. You're telling me that these people are on the same level as us? Like, now that may not have been a legitimate offense, but it doesn't have to be a legitimate offense for people to feel hurt over the thing, right? You imply that. That applies in church all the time. Like, people pick something out and say, you hurt me with this, and it doesn't matter if it's actually a legitimate offense or not. It still hurt. It, it still causes pain for people in that way. So why is that? within the church. Why is it that we experience pain so easily, so quickly within the church? I think it's because within the church, we feel like this is the body of Christ. This is supposed to be a place where I am safe. This is supposed to be a healthy place where people take care of me. This is supposed to be a place where people have each other's backs and you let me down, right? Those people are supposed to have it together and not hurt me like the rest of the world. And now I've experienced hurt. And I think it just magnifies it, right? Because I'm supposed to be safe here. I'm supposed to be protected here. And yet now this, in this safe place, now I'm, I'm feeling hurt. And it magnifies the issue that is at hand. Something that wouldn't be a big deal coming from somebody in the, in the line at store, all of a sudden is a big deal because it came from a brother or sister in Christ. Because it came from somebody within the church. Because we have higher expectations for those people. But we have to remember that the people within the church are still people, right? We're redeemed, we're redeemed, but we still act fallen at times. We're cleansed, but we still have dirty actions at times. When Jesus came and he said, he, he said it's, I, I've come for the, for the healthy, or excuse me, I've not come for the healthy, but I've come for the sick. It's not the sick, or it's not the healthy who need the doctor, it's the sick, right? That gives me the image of a hospital, right? And the church is a hospital. And what's in the hospital? It's a bunch of sick people, right? It's a bunch of broken people. It's a bunch of people that are experiencing life change in Jesus, but we're not, we're not perfect when we walk through the door. And you think about somebody who's sick, some people stay in the hospital for a long time before they ever experience change. We are broken. We are people. We aren't healed the moment that... Um, that let me change that. We are healed the moment that we surrender to Jesus, but that doesn't mean that our actions reflect that all the time. There's still a lot of broken actions that we've got to work through. And you can look at individual people and you can point the finger and you can say, listen, this whole thing is your fault and it might very well be, but finding fault with whoever's fault it is doesn't make it hurt less. It still hurts. And the church is ripe with, with all kinds of situations for things that I'm not even involved in, and yet I deal with the consequences of the decisions that other people made, right? It's just the ripple effect. Like, I wasn't even involved in that situation, and I get hurt because of it. The church is ripe with all of those kind of situations. Because just like you can say, love people, love people, you can also say that hurt people hurt people. And we're all hurt in some way. We're all broken in some way, whether it's intentional or not. Broken people make mistakes, but we might get caught up in the ripple effect of those mistakes. We might endure some of the consequences of other people's actions, 
But the reality is the church is full of people and people are broken and people are gonna make mistakes and people are gonna hurt and it's just part of it. And I'm sorry that that's the way it is. I wish when we walked inside these doors that everything was good and everybody was perfect and we didn't make mistakes and we didn't step on toes and we didn't hurt each other, but that's just not the, that's not the reality of it. And when we get hurt, we get disgruntled. When we get hurt, we get offended. When we get hurt, we choose a different place because those people don't really care, right? There's a joke about a, a guy who'd been shipwrecked on a, on a deserted island for a lot of years, for a long time. He'd been there hanging out there long enough to build himself some buildings. When the rescuers finally showed up, they see these buildings with this guy. He's the only one there. They see these buildings, and, uh, and the rescuers are like, uh, hey, man, what, what's going on here? And he's like, oh, that building, that one's my house. That's where I live. Um, and it's, it's where I, I eat and I sleep and I do all my things. And they're like, oh, okay, that's cool. What about these other buildings? One on this end of the street. And he goes, oh, well, that one over there, that one's my church. That's where I go to worship, over there. Like, oh, okay, well, what's that other building? He said, oh, oh, that was my other church before I got hurt and left it, right? And I started, right? The point is, people get hurt in church. And, and one of our, our quickest things that we go to, one of our... One of our quickest resources is to like, I'm done, right? I'm gone. I'm going to go find another place. That place didn't work because those people weren't good and I got hurt and we just abandoned ship, right? We get offended, we get hurt, and we, and we walk away. And we see examples of this in, in, in scripture, not necessarily walking away, but we see examples of church hurt in all kinds of other places. Like this situation is with Peter and Paul, but Paul writes about other situations. In Philippians, he said, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Paul's saying, look, these two women have worked alongside of us, worked alongside of me and my work for the cause of Christ. And yet there is something going on between them. He says, help them. Please ask them to agree in the Lord. Help them figure it out. Work, with, work it out with, with each other in that way, right? Come alongside them and help. In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul writes, If any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for the judgment instead of before the Lord's of people? Or do you not know that the Lord's people will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? The the, the fact that Paul mentions trivial cases, like these little things that are separating you people, these little offenses that you're feeling hurt over, they exist, right? Aren't you capable then to work it out amongst yourselves rather than taking it to court? Like why would you want the ungodly courts to settle a hurt that's happened within the walls of the church? The point is that there's going to be disagreements in church, and where there's disagreements in church, happens. People get hurt. So nobody is immune to hurt. Nobody is immune to it. But I want to encourage you, if you've experienced hurt, if you've ever experienced hurt, you know your side, you know your perspective. But I want to encourage you that there is usually more to the story. There's usually more to the whole thing that that you don't necessarily know about. Now, I'm not saying if you know the whole thing, it goes away. I'm just saying there's more to the story. Like in this, we know Paul's side of things, don't we? We know his account. We don't have any idea of, of Peter's perspective. We don't have any idea of, of the Gentiles or the Jewish believers in that way, right? But you know your side, and you know how much it hurts. And that's real hurt. That's real pain. 
And I don't want to diminish that, but we don't necessarily know what all is going on in, every, in all the situation. So I tend to be, I tend to be pretty positive about things. Um, well, I tend to be pretty positive about my attitude towards other people. Um, and I tend to believe that people don't wake up in the morning and say, you know what? Who can I hurt today? Right? That's not most people's intent. Now, I do believe there's some psychopaths out there, and I do believe there's some people who have been hurt and are just satisfied to have other people hurt with them. But I think for the most part, most people are not starting out the day or the week or whatever saying, I'm going to go hurt this person. We don't, we, don't, we don't do that. And in that frame of mind, that means there's probably something else going on. Maybe it's a layer that they have of past pain that they haven't dealt with. Maybe it's, it's, it's uh, a misunderstanding in some way. But I don't think it, within the church especially, it's the case where people set out to hurt other people. I had an experience about a year ago with a friend, uh, a really close friend. Um, he was, yeah, anyway, he was a really close friend. And, and, and we were talking one time and he said, hey, can, you, um, can we go over to the other side over here and let's, let's just have a talk because um, I just, we just need to talk. And I said, sure, I don't know what's going on. Um, and, uh, and he was on the verge of tears and he goes, I want you to know you hurt me really bad. And I was take, kind of taken aback, and I was like, I don't, what, are, what are we talking about? And he approached the subject, and he said, listen, you did this, and I was experiencing this, and that just felt wrong. Like, that, what, what about me? And, and here, the, the reality of the situation was it was a complete misunderstanding, complete misunderstanding. There was way more to the story than what he, he understood because I had talked to some people. There were some people, here's the situation. There were some people that had come into church and had asked for some food, okay? And so we were talking and I was helping them out and I was telling my other friend later about this interaction and he understood that I was inviting those people into leadership of the church and that, that they, were gonna, they were gonna come into some leadership position. He's like, what, do I, what about me? Like you just completely skipped over, you didn't even talk to me about it, right? Complete misunderstanding. It was somebody off the street that I was helping with food. But the reality is if he didn't deal with that if he didn't approach me about that, we probably wouldn't be friends right now because it did. It cut him deep. And I didn't even know about it. The reality is when we get hurt by somebody, first of all, it could be a misunderstanding. Second of all, we, you don't know the whole story. We don't know what's going on on the other side of somebody's uh, experience with that situation. Let's go back to our scripture for a second and let's talk about that. See, Peter withdrew. It says, Peter withdrew and he separated from the Gentiles. Why did he do that? Because he was afraid. Okay? Because he was, it says, he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Now, we're just going to stop right there. Now, let's talk about that because Peter is a leader, right? Peter is a leader. And if you're a leader, you're always a leader. People are, the people that you're leading are always watching you. They're always paying attention to what you're doing. So P- Peter, in this situation, Peter was leading, whether he intended to or not. And it says that Peter was afraid, and so Peter acted out of fear. Therefore, Peter was leading out of fear. And leading out of fear gets people hurt. If you are a leader and you're acting out of fear in any situation, and you're leading out of that, instead of leading, uh, following the, the lead of God, that's going to get somebody hurt. It might be you, and it might be everybody else around you. But leading out of fear is not a good situation. So if you've experienced hurt by a church or by church leadership, it may be very well because that leader was afraid. 
Do you ever think about that? That, lead, that leader had fear going on, and maybe the, and they were making decisions out of that. I'm not saying it has to be the case, but I'm saying it's, that's a potential here, that that leader was leading out of fear, that they were afraid they were going to lose some people, and so they changed some actions, they changed some things, and you got left out, and it happened, and you got hurt, right? Maybe that was the case. Maybe they were uh, afraid that you were going to take leadership in a direction that they didn't want to go, and so they just kind of decided you weren't worth their time anymore. That's leading out of fear. I'm afraid that you're going to lead this, in, and, and so we stop that relationship, right? If you've ever been hurt by a leader, it may have been because they were afraid. Maybe there was some personal stuff going on with them. They were afraid that people were going to find out, and so they lashed out in anger. But if we're leading out of fear, that is a bad place to be leading from because it gets people hurt. It is not a healthy place to be. And that's what Peter was doing, right? Now, back to our scripture. Peter was afraid of those who belong. It says that he, be, he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. Now, I've always assumed that those, that, that, that phrase, those who belong to the circumcision group, I've always assumed that that meant the men who were there in his presence. He was afraid of those men. So he was afraid of what those guys were going to think of him. He was afraid of that whole scenario. But when you dig deeper into what that phrase means, the circumcision group means... That can refer to not those men necessarily that were there, but that can refer to the greater circumcision group, the people, the Jewish people who thought, first of all, if you're Jewish, you shouldn't be associating with Gentiles. Or second of all, if you're Jewish and you become a Christian, or if you're a Gentile and you become a Christian, you should become a Jew first. But there was a lot of persecution that was happening in the city of Jerusalem from the circumcision group for the, or the Christian Jews. Because at that point, the Jews and the, and the Christians worshipped at the same place. You understand that? Like the Jews and the Christians were still worshiping at the synagogue in the same place. There hadn't been a separation yet. And so there was persecution that was happening to the Jewish people, whether they were Jewish non-believers or whether they were Jewish believers. And they were, when they associated with the Gentiles, there was some heavy persecution saying, you can't do that. You can't, we got to keep this thing pure. And so there's persecution happening there. So Peter, when it says that Peter was afraid of the circumcision group, maybe... Maybe Peter's fear is not about what they think about me, but maybe Peter's fear is what, what's going to happen to those people that I'm leading in Jerusalem if these men take word back that I'm associating with Gentiles and their actions then reflect my actions by associating with Gentiles so, and, and, and they begin to under, uh, undergo persecution because of my actions. Maybe Peter's fear is that. And I'd never thought about that before. That, that maybe Peter was actually leading, knew he was leading, and was conscious of the fact that these people might be experiencing persecution because of my actions right now. It doesn't change the fact that his actions were not good leadership. It doesn't change the fact that his actions were not uh, um, um, healthy and he was leading out of fear, but it does help our understanding of what was going on a little bit there, right? It helps, it, it, maybe it helps... Paul to approach the situation a little bit differently if he knows that Peter is being intentional about trying to protect these people in Jerusalem. Maybe Paul handles the situation a little bit differently. It doesn't change the fact that, that, that Paul and the, and the people of the church experience hurt because of Peter's actions, but it might have helped them work through some of that hurt. It might have helped them heal from some of that experience. 
Because what happens when you know a little bit more about the other side of the story, when you understand the other person's perspective, now they are not just an object that caused me pain. Now they're a real person that had a real experience and that's, that's also probably experiencing some pain, right? In that whole situation. They're not just an object for me to be mad at. They're not just an object for me to be upset with. And they're part of the church. They are a believer. And the church is family. At least that's what we're trying to do here, right? The church is family. And when we approach our family, we approach our family with love. And 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 8, or 4 through 8, I think, I don't know. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. We're not excusing the pain that others have caused us. We're not excusing their actions or the damage that somebody does, but we can respond in love. When we're given the command to love one another, that's not a command of love one another if the other person loves you. It's love one another, regardless of what the other person is doing. So we can choose to respond in love, even if we're hurt. We can choose to respond in love with a Christian brother or sister. Again, that doesn't mean that we're excusing the behavior. It doesn't mean we're we're covering over the sin that happened or whatever. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be resolved and that everything is going to be peachy. But we can choose to act in love. And we'll go back to what we said last week in Romans 12, 18. If, if, it is possible, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on that's not based on their actions. It's not based on how they're approaching the situation. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And that might mean setting up some boundaries. That might mean limiting your time with that person. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we love because we're first loved. So nobody is immune to church hurt. I don't believe it. Nobody is immune for church hurt. And as we look at at those situations where we, we experience hurt, then we understand that there's probably more going on than we actually know. And so I believe that there's, there's a right way to handle it. When we experience hurt, I believe there is a right way to handle it. And I don't believe the first response is, that's it, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home, right? I don't think that's our first, I don't think that should be our first response in this situation. It, if we're going to recognize that the church is full of people who are not perfect and the church is full of broken people that are going to rub you the wrong way sometimes, then there's got to be a solution if we're going to remain in the church There's got to be a solution for something other than I'm going somewhere else. And here's what I see that is healthy about the way that Paul approaches Peter's actions, all right? I think there's some unhealthy things, but I think there's some healthy things too. Number one, Paul handles the issue right away. He handles the issue right away, right? He doesn't waste any time. I mean, he jumps on it, and maybe even too fast, right? Maybe even he should have waited until he could get... Uh, Peter by himself and talk about that thing but he doesn't wait pretty much on the spot an open wound gets infected if you sit there with an open wound if you go about life with an open wound it gets infected 
or the chances of it getting infected are a lot greater than if you can experience some healing. Find closure to the wound. Paul doesn't let the offense, or for his sake, or his, the offense with the church, he doesn't let it sit there and fester. And it's really important that Paul does this really quickly in this situation, all right? Because this offense, Peter stepping back, the leader of the church, stepping back from this group of people can have some serious implications across the board. Like we may not be sitting here as believers if Paul lets this thing go. So Paul sees the serious nature of the offense and he steps in. He doesn't let it go. He doesn't let it get infected. He doesn't let it fester in that way. It's important that Paul handles it quickly. So Paul handles the, off- the issue right away. Number two, Paul handles the issue with the offender. Okay? He handles the issue with the offender, with Peter. He doesn't go around and say, hey, did you see what Peter did? That's not right, man. Did you see how Peter did that, handle that situation? No. Right? You know what doesn't help hurt? Gossip. Gossip doesn't help your pain. In fact, it probably makes it worse because when we gossip, we're talking to somebody else who's going to be a sympathetic ear. That person's going to come and say, you know what? That is terrible. And you're going to say, wow, that really was terrible. And now it's gotten deeper, right? The wound, it goes back and forth. And now you're experiencing more pain because you've experienced a sympathetic ear who's just going to tell you how terrible it was. And now we've got more pain here, right? Gossip does not heal your wounds. He goes straight to Peter. He goes straight to the, the, to the source of the pain. And he says, what you're doing is not right. We got to change this, Peter. This is not right. How can you do this? And it opens up the, the, the door for dialogue. Now, I'm not sure that dialogue happened in that situation because of the way that Paul did it in front of the whole group of people. But it does open the door for dialogue when he approaches the person who did the offending. And it's a start. So Paul handles the issue right away. Paul handles the issue with the offender. And Paul handles the issue and only the issue. He doesn't bring along other baggage. He doesn't say, hey, now, you, 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 back then, you didn't think I was right. You didn't think I was justified. And now we decided we're justified, right? He doesn't go back there and bring all that baggage with him. He handles the issue that is at hand, right? This is how you're hurting me. This is how you're hurting these people. And this is why it's wrong, right? That's it. This is why it's wrong. He didn't say, you know what? You always do this, Peter. You always do this to us. You go back on your word. You never listen to me. You're such a terrible person. Oh, and by the way, you got a big nose. Oh, and by the way, you could probably lose a few pounds, and you have a terrible choice in sandals, right? (laughs) All of a sudden, we're not talking about the issue anymore, right? Paul deals with the issue that Peter, that has been, that has happened, right? He deals with the offense, That stuff doesn't matter. He addresses the thing that hurts and why it's significant. And what, the other other thing I love about Paul's response is this. The whole thing is that, you know what, I I don't believe that it's motivated by his self-preservation. Yes, I do believe that Paul was probably hurt in this situation, but that's not his motivation. We see his motivation in verse 14 when it says, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, Paul responds, I believe it, Paul responds so passionately, he responds so quickly to this thing because this was about the truth of the gospel. This was not about his own personal feelings. This was about, listen, you're going to take this church and you're going to take it in the wrong direction and that's not happening in this place. I'm not going to allow that to happen. We're going to address this issue right now, right here. The reality is, the reality is that 
our feelings are probably going to be hurt at some point in church. It's just the truth of it. If you're involved with people in the church, you're probably going to get hurt. You're probably going to experience some pain. And I'm not trying to make light of that. I, I, I know that your hurt is real. But we got to remember that the church is an organization that's made up of people. And people are broken. And that doesn't happen. That fix, that healing doesn't happen like that. I'm by no means excusing anybody's behavior. But I believe that the healthiest thing that we can do is we can handle it. We can deal with it. Not letting it fester, but let's deal with it. Let's ask God to heal those wounds. If I'm not in the circle with those people anymore, let's ask God for a supernatural healing. Like we can't approach that person or whatever. We're going to ask for a supernatural healing. If we believe that God can heal us physically, why wouldn't he also heal us emotionally, right? When we experience that hurt and that pain. So let's deal with the issue that's actually the problem. Let's do it with the person that caused the offense and let's do it quickly. That way we can move on. And I would also say, don't forget that you might be the offender. And you might not know it. In that situation with my friend, I didn't even know I had hurt him. But there's probably situations that if I thought long enough, I could understand or I could know where I've hurt somebody. Whether, and probably not intentionally, but I know that I caused them some pain within the church. And I could go and address those issues. Jesus says in Matthew 5, He says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. First go and reconcile with your brother and then come and offer the gift. He says, take care of it. Even if you're the one who caused the pain, maybe especially if you're the one that caused the pain, go take care of it. Make it right. It's important because unresolved hurt within the church can affect your relationship to the church and it can affect your relationship to God. And I'm not saying because God is, is going to push you away because you have unresolved conflict. I'm saying because you start to put that on God and say, God, why did you put that person here in my life? And I'm going to blame God for that, right? And it starts to, to pack stuff in between you and your relationship with God. Stuff that you've put there, not stuff that God's put there. Or stuff that you've allowed to be there. Ask God for healing. We can't under, underestimate the supernatural healing for hurts that we've experienced. And again, healing doesn't mean that the hurt didn't happen. It doesn't mean ignoring it. It doesn't mean moving on without recognizing it. And a restored relationship may not ever be possible with that person. Or maybe it's not even something you desire. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Why don't you all come on back up to your feet? I recognize there's some things in this church in the past that have caused pain, right? We can't ignore that. But it's in the past, right? We can't go back and fix it. We can move forward and we can find healing. So I'm going to ask everybody to do that, right? Let's move forward. Let's find healing in what God has for us. There's some people in the, in the back that want to pray with you. If that's something that you need healing for, we want to pray with you about that. We want to find that supernatural healing that God can provide. And we're going to do that in a time of worship. So we're going to go back into a couple more songs, sing some more worship.
praise our God who is good regardless of the conditions that we find ourselves in. He's still good, right? So let's go ahead and worship in that way. Hey, this is Pastor Justin from Capital Vineyard Community Church in Frankfort, Kentucky. Thanks for listening to our weekly message. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit us at capitalvineyard.org or on social media at at Cap Vineyard. Thanks for listening and God bless.